0: chapter seventeen of silas strong emperor of the woods by irving batchelor this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter seventeen at the break of day next morning strong rose and called his fellow travellers beside the turnpike he built a fire over which he began to cook fish and potatoes and coffee when the migleys had come all sat on a blanket within reach of their food and helped themselves in a fashion almost as ancient as the hills. Then Strong gave the coon his share and washed the dishes and got his pack ready. It was a tramp of four miles to the station below Pitkin. They arrived there, however, before the sun was an hour high. When they were seated in the end of the smoking car, with Coon and Pack beside them, Mr. Migley began to reveal the plans of the great king—business. Having increased his territory, he now felt the need of adding to his power. He must have more legislation, for there were to be ruthless changes of the map. Those few really free and independent people who dwelt in and near the Lost River Country were to be his subjects and they must learn to obey at least they must not oppose him and make trouble gently his envoy began you know said he there's to be a new member of assembly in our district strong nodded i want my son to go the elder migley went on as he winked suggestively he's going to make his home in pitkin and it's very necessary to his plans that you people should be with him. He's got the talent of a statesman. Ask anybody who knows the boy. He paused a moment. The emperor made no reply. Level-headed and reliable in every spot and place, and a good looker, Migley continued, as if he were selling a road horse while he nudged the emperor. Look at him. I'd swap faces with that boy any day and give him $10,000 to boot, wouldn't you?" Mr. Migley spoke in dead earnest. He pinched the knee of Strong and waited for his reply. would not fit me,' the emperor replied. Pop Migley took the answer as a compliment and gurgled with good feeling. "'Strong, you're a kind of a boss up here in the hills said he. "'There isn't a jay in the pine lands that wouldn't walk twenty miles to Caucus if you asked him to.' "'Dunno,' Strong answered doubtfully. "'I know what I'm talking about,' said the lumberman, with a smile. "'I want the vote of the town a-pitkin. If we get that we can give em all the flag.' Strong was not unaccustomed to this kind of appeal. There were not many voters in his town, but they always followed the emperor. "'You can get it for us,' Mr. Migley insisted. "'No.' "'Why not?' "'I've promised to help my master.' "'Oh, well now, look here. You and I ought to be friends,' said Migley. We ought to stand by each other. You look out for me, and I'll look out for you." As he offered his alliance, Migley tenderly pressed the shoulder of Silas Strong. Then he put his index finger on that square of latitude and longitude which indicated the region of his heart, and added impressively, "'I have the reputation of being true to my friends. Ask anybody.' The hunter sat filling his pipe in silence. "'With what's pledged to us, if we get this town, we can win easy.' Strong began to puff at his pipe thoughtfully. Here sat a man who could make or break him. His face reddened a little. He shook his head. Mr. Migley had caught the eye of a man he knew, Joe Socket, postmaster and politician of Moon Lake. He rose, tapped the shoulder of Strong, and said, Think it over." Then he hurried down the aisle of the car. He leaned over and whispered into the ear of Socket, "'What kind of a man is strong?' "'Square,' said the other promptly. "'A little cranky in some ways, but you can depend upon him. He'll do what he says. The devil couldn't turn him.' He says he's pledged to master that chap who's come up here with a bag of money. Do you think Master has bought him?" "'I don't think so. I suppose he could be bought, but—but but I never knew of his taking money. The boys of the back country swear by the Emperor. They look up to him. "'Fact is, Sile Strong is a damn good fellow.'" His oath seemed to contradict his affirmation. "'He's like a rock,' said Migley. "'The glad hand don't make any impression. "'What you gonna do with a man who won't drink or talk or swap lies with you? "'I could put the poor devil out of house and home, but he don't seem to care.' "'We'll turn him over to the congressman,' Socket answered. "'He'll bring him into camp. "'If not, we can get along without him.' The fact was, the Emperor of the Woods was not like any other man they had to deal with, in history, character, and caliber. He used his brain for a definite purpose, to think out thoughts with, as he was wont to say, and if his heart approved of them they were right, and he could no more change them than a tree could change its bark or its foliage. As yet, the arts and allies of the Flatterer had no power over him. He was content and without any false notion of his own importance. End of chapter 17